0: Here's a question that we'll start with today. Here's a question What will keep you out of heaven? What will keep you out of heaven? We talk a lot about, and we should talk a lot about how to go to heaven, that we are saved because of God's grace, because of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not because of what we do, it's not because of our works, it's not because of some checklist of accomplishments. We are saved by faith. In Jesus Christ. And we talk about that a lot. We are saved by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And yet the Bible says most people will miss it. The Bible says most people will not be in heaven. And if you believe the Bible, which we do, that's what the Bible tells us, that is the reality. And so maybe we better look at the issue. Maybe we better ask. The question, what is it that will keep you out of heaven? What is it that would keep you from placing your faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Now, let me start off and say today, be very sure Satan's goal is that you would miss heaven. Be sure of that. That's that's his goal. His goal is that you would not put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you would not be saved, that you would be lost, and that you would miss heaven. Well, if I think about it, and as I think about it, uh, really he has a two-fold plan, maybe a two-fold attack for that to take place. Now, the first thing that he does is he perverts what it means to be saved. He distorts the truth of the gospel. He distorts the truth of what it is to be saved. And you hear people say, well, everybody's saved, or all religions are going go to go the same place, or, or it takes this thing to be saved, and so one of the ways that he does that is to distort what it means to be saved. But the second thing that he does is to promote, and look at our culture, is is to encourage the things that would keep you from being saved. To, to promote and to encourage the things that would keep you from putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, as I look around and survey the scene in 2017. He is doing pretty well on both fronts. Today our message is entitled, How to Miss Heaven. How to Miss Heaven. We're in Luke chapter 18, today verses 15 through 17. How to Miss Heaven, Luke chapter 18, today verses 15 through 17. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 18, beginning here in the 15th verse, and it says this, and they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them saying, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear me, Father, we come today. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for a Savior in Jesus. Thankful for the forgiveness of sins that we can stand as people who are sinners, yet we can stand forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm thankful for restoration. And redemption through our Savior. I'm thankful for the church that He has blessed us with, and I pray that together in our fellowship we would glorify you, we would take up your mission and your cause. I'm thankful for the word of God that you have given to us. I pray that we would take it in, that we would consume it, that we would study it, that we would begin to exhibit and to live it, and it would truly change the path the course of our life. I pray thanking you for salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful it's not dependent upon me, on what I can fix or what I can clean up or what I can accomplish, but it is settled in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for such a great salvation. I pray now in this hour, if there is one, and perhaps many in here that do not know Jesus, I pray that today, this day, in this hour, they might put their faith in our Lord Jesus. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We truly worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, today we're picking up in our verse-by-verse study as we move through the Gospel of Luke. If you remember in the 17th chapter, and then so far in the 18th chapter, we find Jesus, and Jesus has been teaching. Now, as you read the context there, Sometimes he has been teaching his disciples. Sometimes he has been teaching his followers. And other times he has been teaching those in the crowd. He has been teaching those who have been listening in. And and many times it's the Pharisees or the, the scribes and the religious leaders of the day. And as we read this chapter, the 17th chapter, and again so far in the 18th chapter, he has been teaching about some very profound subjects. He has been teaching about the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God is, more specifically, when it is coming. He has been teaching about his second coming and what that will involve. Most recently there in the 18th chapter, he's been teaching on prayer, and he taught that his disciples are to be frequent in prayer and they're to be fervent in their prayer. He teaches that truth. And then last time, we see that addressing some that were in that crowd He teaches on false prayer, and then he teaches on true prayer, the prayer that brings true salvation. Now, as you survey that, as you think about that, he has been covering a broad range, a wide range of subjects. But really, in all of this, he has been revealing himself to us. Now, do not miss that. Do not look over that. In all of this teaching, in all of these subjects, he has been revealing himself to us. In all of this, he has been showing us that he is a God who is holy, that he is a God of justice, and he has shown us here that he will judge sin and when he judges sin it's going to be a terrible day for those in their sin it's going to be an unimaginable day for those in their sin but but more than that he's also been showing us fixed against that that he is a God of great love that he is a God of great mercy and and a God of great grace and as holy as he is and as he will administrate justice at the same time we are seeing he is willing to save sinners Listen to me friend, our God, perfect in every way, our God who is holy and who is pure and who is unbending in his standard of perfection and our God in those things we, we have mocked him and we have rebelled against him and we have sinned against him and yet he is willing to save us as sinners. Sinners. What an awesome God. How tremendous is that? We ought to be blown away by that. He is perfect. He is just. He is holy. And we've sinned against the Holy God. And He is willing to save us as sinners. I'm so glad. And then that brings us to our verses today. The context Jesus has been teaching. Then, verse 15. Jesus has been teaching, verse 15 and they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. Jesus was teaching, that's the context, and they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. Bible says Jesus is teaching and that as he has been teaching, Parents were bringing, the Bible says here, even their babies to him so that he would touch them. In Mark chapter 10 and in Matthew chapter 19, there's the same account. And in those accounts, it says they were bringing some children to him. Some children. Well, Luke the doctor, paying attention to the details here of age, says the word babies. Now, the Greek word actually means infants and toddlers and so they are bringing even their babies to him now it says they're bringing them so that he would touch them now this is referring to a jewish tradition for the rabbi the jewish rabbi to place his hand on the child and to pronounce a blessing for that child really basically they are praying a blessing for that child The Greek verb tense here, that they were bringing, it is an ongoing thing. It is an ongoing occurrence. It is really a growing occurrence. It is happening, and it is continually happening, and and it is a growing thing. And so evidently we see here, as he teaches, more and more parents are bringing more and more babies to him to be blessed. Well, The disciples seeing this began rebuking them, the parents. The the word rebuking here means to express strong disapproval. So see the picture here. Here are these disciples. Now see what's going on. Here are these disciples, and they hear Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. Now how tremendous is that? They hear Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. They hear Jesus saying that he is the Messiah. And really, when you look at this, this is what he's saying. The kingdom has come, and it's come now in your presence. Not only that, he talks about when he's going to come again. He is telling them, really, he is the Messiah. Jesus is talking about his second coming and the the urgency in being ready for that. And can you imagine hearing all of those subjects? They think, and I'm sure they're very well-meaning, that these babies are a distraction, these babies are in the way. He's talking about the second coming. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And so these babies are in the way of a more urgent matter. And so they began to rebuke the parents. Hey, not now. Hey, can you see can you see what's going on here? Hey, it's not the time for this. And they began to rebuke the parents. Verse 16, the first part of the verse. <clears throat> But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them. Listen to that again. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them. Jesus hears what the disciples are saying, and he corrects the disciples. He says, Permit them to come. Do not hinder them. Do not stop them. From coming. In fact, he does the opposite. The verse starts off and it says, Jesus called for them. Jesus called for the kids. Bring the kids. Do not hinder them from coming. Now, it's not the main point, but let me show you some very practical things here already in our verses. Again, it's not the main point, but let me show you some, some things to apply here. And I'm speaking very specifically here to parents. Two things that we should take out of this verse. The first is this, and listen very carefully. The earlier interaction your kids have with Jesus, the better. Be sure and hear that. Listen to that again. The earlier interaction your kids have with Jesus, the better. Now remember here, Luke has made it plain, these are babies, Sometimes we think that they can't get it. Sometimes we think, well, this is way too complex. Sometimes we think, well, there's gonna be a better time and maybe we're just too busy, but but there'll be some other time and there's no rush. We've got plenty of time to teach and to talk about these things. But I wanna tell you, listen to me today. Be sure, as fast as they blink, as fast as they breathe, we need to be speaking of Jesus. We need to be singing of Jesus. We need to be pointing to Jesus. Our kids need to see our love for Jesus. They need to see our trust in Jesus. And I want to tell you when they're in the crib or in the, in the car seat or when they're taking their first steps or when they're out playing ball in the yard, these kids need to be covered up in Jesus. And someday when the foundation is being shaken, and it will be, And someday when the world is raging all around them and that day will come and when we find our kids and they're grown somewhere and they're terrified in the evils of life and their their hearts are broken and they've long since been removed from your influence and they're there and they're looking for hope and they're crying out for answers deep inside. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And it's not gonna be some childish song. It's gonna be the hope of their heart. It's gonna be the reminder that Jesus is the answer and they're gonna make it. First, the earlier interaction your kids have with Jesus, the better. The second thing is this, and listen to this very carefully as well. It is the parent's, who should bring them to Jesus? And I want to tell you, Satan has wrecked havoc on this idea, and we've bought into it and we've fed it, but you know what? It is the parents who should bring them to Jesus. There in verse 15 it says, "They were bringing their babies, their babies, these, were the parents it was the parents who loved them it was the parents who had dreams of great future for these kids it was parents who sought god's blessing for these kids that brought them to jesus I can't say it enough but I want to tell you moms and dads the greatest responsibility you have and don't let the world lie to you in this the greatest responsibility that you have the greatest joy that you will ever have and really the only thing that's ever going to matter is that you would point your kids to faith in our Savior Jesus Christ. It is the parents who should bring them to Jesus. You see they look to you. They they trust you. They're waiting on you. Seize that moment. Point your kids to our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, the rest of verse 16. I'm gonna read all of verse 16 again. But Jesus called for them, saying, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now this is the event, this is the actual thing that happened. This is what happened. This is what the disciples said. This is what the disciples did. And this is what Jesus said in return. This is the actual thing here. But now Jesus will take it and Jesus will turn it and he will use it to talk about the kingdom of God. Now I want you to see this and be sure to see it in all of scripture here in the New Testament. But see this, Jesus' mind was always on the mission. Be sure and understand that. Jesus' mind was always on the mission. He did not come to heal all the sick. He didn't come to set all the injustices right. He didn't come to bless all of the children. He came as the remedy for sin. The Savior sent from the Father to usher people into the kingdom of God and he never lost sight of that mission. Think about this. You know what? For Jesus, life is a lot better if He would just stay there and heal all the sick. For Jesus, life's a lot better if He just stayed there and just said, Bring me all the babies. I'm going to bless all the babies. You know what? Nobody's going to take that guy to the cross. Nobody's going to take him and crucify him. But He sticks to the mission. And so we find him here. He takes a simple action and he turns it into a time to teach about the kingdom of God. And he says, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, such as these is not saying specifically to kids. The kingdom of God belongs to kids. It's not what it's saying. It's saying to people like these, to such as these. People like these kids. In his example, children become the model. And that's what's going on here. They're, they're not a nuisance, but in his example, children are the model. Look at verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, will not enter it at all. Jesus says here, here is the point. Here is the truth. Truly I say to you, listen, whoever, whoever, pagan, Hebrew, heathen, Pharisee, Jew, whoever, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, receive In the Greek means to take or to accept or to welcome. Whoever does not accept, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God. Now remember, to receive the kingdom, you have to receive the king. You have to accept him. Now what that means is you have to accept the truth of who Jesus is, the full truth of who Jesus is, the truth of the gospel, the the truth of Jesus Christ. We are ruined sinners. Jesus is our Savior from sin, and He comes and He pays the price for our sin, and He he purchases us back from the price of our sin, and He is the Lamb of God, and He is the Redeemer, and He is the risen King, and He is our Lord. and, And I take that in, and I embrace that, and I receive it. And Jesus says here, I do it like a child, or I will not enter at all. Will not enter. The word for not literally translates ruled out. Ruled out. Now what that means is the entering in has been ruled out. Entering in is not going to happen. Entering in, that possibility is gone. It means if you do not do it in this manner, you can never enter in. And it says you will not enter in. It has been ruled out. So what does it mean to receive the kingdom of God, to take in, to accept the truth of the gospel of Jesus? What does it mean to do that as a child? First, I want to say this. It's not some shallow faith. It's not some token faith. I want to tell you, our, our faith that we are professing is deeply profound. It's not talking about that, it is talking about humility. You see, a child is dependent upon others, a child's not self reliant. A small child, they're quick to believe, and we can play a game, and we can tell them some story, and they're very quick to believe it. A small child, when they start off, it's easy for them to trust, especially their parents. A small child, they're not skeptical. They're humble. The word humble in definition means lowliness, a modest opinion of your rank or standing. These little children, they're humble, but you... But you watch as we grow and you watch as we begin to operate in the world and our pride also grows. Our worldliness also grows and we become harder as we grow and we become more skeptical as we grow. More than that, we become self-serving and we become self-righteous and we become self-enamored and we become self-important. You watch a four-year-old And you watch how something happens and they run to the arms of that parent. But you watch somewhere along the older teenage years and and they start to pull back from those parents. They start to to push back from their parents and where we once needed them. Somehow we become better than that or we become too cool for that. I want to tell you it's the same with our relationship with God. And what we're saying is here we do not need a Savior. I do not need a Savior. It's beneath me. I need not a Savior. Maybe I'm good enough to get into heaven. Surely I am. Maybe I've done enough things now. I have a place, a position that I'm due in heaven. Surely I am. Maybe maybe I've earned it somehow. Surely I have. Maybe I'm above it all anyway and it's illogical and it's weak and it's ignorant and we say I need not a savior. And you be sure today if you think that you've earned it, you have no idea of the high standard of absolute perfection and you are lost. If you think you're good enough, you have no idea of your ruined state as a condemned sinner and you're lost and you're headed for hell. If you think you have a position or some reputation that's earned you a place to be in heaven, I want to tell you, you have no idea of the pitiful place you hold before a holy God and you're lost and you're going to hell. And your pride will keep you out of heaven and self-reliance will keep you out of heaven and self-seeking and self serving worldliness and materialism is gonna keep you out of heaven and the truth of all of us is, oh, you need a savior, you need a savior and we have a savior, his name is Jesus. Here's the picture. Our God, marvelous, tremendous, righteous, holy, just, pure, unbending, and yet He's willing to save. And just like that four year old child, if you will turn in trust, and if you will turn independence, and if you will cry out, I am a sinner, and I need a Savior, just like that parent, he's going to throw open his arms, and he will receive you, and you will be saved. That's the picture. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful today for a picture of amazing grace, astounding grace that we are sinners, despicable and ruined in your sight, broken in our fellowship, stained in our sin. We've rebelled against you. The Bible says we've sinned against you and you only we've sinned against. And yet you love us. And yet you offer forgiveness. And yet your grace is extended to the person of Jesus Christ. And not of any work that we might do unless we would boast. But by faith in Jesus we are saved. Lord I pray if there's one here that does not know you. I pray that today in the sweetness of this picture. In the kindness of a gracious God. I pray that today they would put their faith in our Savior, Jesus. Lord, draw. Remove the hindrances. Remove the pride. Let today be that day. Lord, I'm thankful for you, and I praise you, and I worship you, and I tell you I love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.